Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. Uh, Derek, you're back. I am. You had a great trip. It was a it was a shortened, but it was a great trip. It's well, always good. We'll get into that. PMRR is always a good trip. Yeah. Uh, you had a few things you wanted to discuss before. Oh, yes. I wanted, so uh, I wanted to update you on my sprouts. How are the sprouts? Going good. Where I, right now, them? I have four jars on the go. And so what we're doing is where they continue to grow and we still, we just pull stuff out. So I've, right. we, uh, tonight we had, uh, it's taco Tuesday. So we had tacos and, uh, so we had, a, instead of lettuce or whatever, I, we just had a nice healthy sampling of sprouts. And so the sprouts I had today were, uh, radish and, uh, they're spicy. They're tiny, but they're spicy. <laughs> so, so the kids are like, uh, they're like, whoa, what's up with these? And she even Siobhan is like, oh my God, they're spicy. Dad's trying to kill us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was, uh, so that's fun. So I, you know, we're doing broccoli. We're doing, uh, uh, so it is broccoli and, uh, we're four different kinds. There's a whole bunch of stuff. So that we got this, all these four jars growing in the kitchen, right? So it's good. We're making salads with them and. Better you than me. Yeah. Speaking of Taco Tuesday, however, we uh, did Tracy's birthday dinner on the weekend. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Here's birthday. And uh, I took some mango and some pineapple and grilled them. <sighs> then pureed them with some lime juice. Oh. I put garlic powder, onion salt, salt and pepper, a bit of cayenne, and honey. Hmm. And some olive oil. Yeah. And marinated little beef strips. Did them up quickly. Hmm. Tacos. Nice. So beef tacos with this uh, mango, mango, pineapple, pineapple lime. Yeah. Um, that sounds awesome. It was it was a chunky puree, so it mm-hmm. wasn't like liquidy. And put those just on the small little soft tacos. Yeah. I could have eaten like 50 of those. <laughs> I was like, this is good. They yeah. Really, I mean, that sauce, because I also did uh, like three pork loins yeah. and grilled vegetables, a whole bunch of other stuff as well, right? Mm-hmm. And like that sauce goes with any meat. That sounds it yummy. Was, it was good. Uh, what's going on with your boat, your sailboat? I finally completely taken the boat apart. It was all- so I, it's an X boat. Yeah, so- came back from the trip early so I had some vacation days left and it's like uh yeah finish the boat and I tell you like I I didn't really have a concept of what was going to be involved with the keel but uh <laughs> I can't even guess at the weight so this thing I've managed to completely disconnect it from the hull of the boat and it's sitting in the middle of the yard and I don't know how I'm going to get it out of the yard because I so I took a eight foot two by six and uh, a lever basically. Mm-hmm. And like I had like 12 inch, 12 inches of the two by six over the lever and uh, I could barely lift a corner of the keel. Really? Is it, it still in one piece? It's in one piece. It's fully if in one piece. If anybody needs a keel out there. <laughs> well, I did, uh, I, and it's hard to drill lead. It's solid lead. So I had to drill, I drilled a hole in the base of the keel and put a chain through it because I think I'm going to try and tow it out of the backyard with my car. Yeah, that's it's, what could possibly go wrong. I know, but what, what else am I going to do? Possibly, I can't go get. Wrong. A, I'm not going to pay to get a crane in to to crane out the keel. But I swear to God, this thing's like I, I can't even guess. It's like two thousand pounds or something. What do you have that'll raise two thousand? Oh, you know what you need. What? Do you know anybody that has one of those 
lifts for a, a car engine. So, uh, so we thought of various stuff like that, dollies, and yeah. so those lifts, they have wheels, yeah, that will sink into my lawn. Not if you put sheets of plywood down. Well, no. So in the end, what we thought we'd do is uh, because it'll dig into the lawn, we're gonna get more two by sixes. I just need. I have two two by sixes. I just need two more, just so you can move them, just like when the Egyptians built the pyramids, moving rocks. And so I'm just gonna put it on the two by sixes. Crank, lift it up and crank it up and drop it on two by six and drag it on two by sixes across the yard to get it into my neighbor's driveway and neighbor's yard. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know how that got in your yard. I don't know who it belongs to. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so then I'm just gonna like uh, use a come along to uh, drag it up onto a trailer and take it to the rec- to take it to the metal recyclers. Do you have a come along? I do. Yeah. Do you have a trailer? I do. I just. I, I just don't know if if this keel exceeds the capacity of the trailer. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> so my trailer can handle 2,000 pounds, 2,200 pounds. It's, the axles are designed for that weight. But if this thing weighs more than I think it does. <laughs> the other thing you could do is stand it upside down in the middle of your lawn it's and make some sort of... It looks fun, like a shark a giant fin. lawn shark. It looks like a shark fin. Yeah, see? <laughs> there you go. Put it over by your uh, pool. Pond. Your pond there. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that sucker's heavy. I couldn't. Be- I can't believe how heavy it is. Just but dig yeah, a shallow so- grave and bury it. <laughs> Once I we're getting a dumpster dropped in my neighbor's driveway uh, next week, and uh, all the fiberglass is going away. And then I'm going to have like multiple trips to the recyclers. Like I get a a load of uh, stainless to go, a load of aluminum to go. I got a load of I get uh, a bunch of brass to go. I've got this keel to go. It's like oh, there's a lot of metal there. Dig a hole in your. And Your bury it. The and next, just bury The it. next owner. The next owner. What the? He's <laughs> digging a pool and finds yeah. a keel. Well, apparently we're near water. Let's see the, see, there's an additional problem there with that is, uh, it's lead. It's toxic. Uh, yeah. It's highly toxic. Right? Yeah, but it's not sinking into your water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on city water. Yeah. <laughs> when you have a pond of fish, they're going to yeah. be <laughs> sickly <laughs> fish. <laughs> Three-eyed fish there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's, it's yeah, going to be interesting. Yeah, you get rid of that somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, the metal recyclers. I just, I need to talk to somebody about metal recyclers because the last time I brought in, I brought in, had all my gutters and downspouts taken in and uh, they wouldn't give me the price of aluminum because there was like a dozen stainless steel rivets holding the end caps yeah. on. They says, no, got to give you scrap prices. What are you talking about? Well, there's all those uh, little rivets. stainless steel rivets. So you can take them home and drill them all out. They're already in the yard. Uh, you can load them back up and take them home and uh, drill out the rivets. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that. So I went from, I don't know, I, I think they gave me like 20 bucks and I could have got like 80 or 90 bucks. Yeah. Shysters. It's like, eh, bastards. Shysters. So the, uh, the keel has three stainless steel bolts sunk into the keel to attach it to the hull. So I'm thinking they're going to try and pull that one on me. Yeah, cut them out. <laughs> well, and you got to find a place that'll take lead. Yeah, though. So there's a the place that I took the other stuff to last time, the ones that screwed me over for the aluminum. They 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 take lead. I was already asked them about it because I've got a bunch of, you know, the old style lead scuba weights. Yep. That you shouldn't be using anymore because they're not protected. They're not covered. It's just bare bare, yeah. bare lead. So I got a whole bunch of them that I want to get rid of too. And so they they said they'd give me lead weight for them, lead prices for them, right? Because they're pure lead. I didn't realize there was lead prices. There's a price for lead, aluminum, brass, whatever. Really? What do they use lead for these days? Uh, 
boat keels. <laughs> <laughs> Scuba dive weights. <laughs> Still? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All I know is that fishing weights, if they're lead fishing weights, you're not supposed to use them anymore. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've moved away from uh, using lead in uh, in uh, shotgun and buckshot. So now you get... Why, because the animal is going to die of lead poisoning? Well, no, it's... Not it, the shot? <laughs> <laughs> It, uh, it's, it's not so much the bullets in them that kill them. <laughs> it's the lead poisoning. <laughs> the lead poisoning. <laughs> well, no, what they're saying is that in, in uh, areas that are common for duck hunting and stuff, all the, the, you get a lot of lead uh, lead toxification of uh, marshes. Oh, from all the bad shots. Yeah, all the well, because, you know, if, you, if there's like 50, 60 uh, pellets in a shotgun shell, then, you know, three of them will hit the duck, and then the rest goes into the swamp. Remind me to tell you <laughs> later on, I've got something to talk about After here. we're not recording? About, no, 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 while recording. Remind me when I'm talking about my trip that I did over the weekend. Oh, okay. Boat ducks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Duck decoys work. Oh. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. So, uh, so you got that all Yeah, all so that's finally and... straightened out. My wife's very happy. Well, she still wants the the pile of scrap to gone. be gone. Yeah. But yeah, but at least at least I finally did something about the boat. It's been sitting in the yard for I don't even want to say how long it's been sitting there. Years, years. <laughs> I've been getting rid of stuff since January. I started doing Yeah, you've been doing a whole and, hog house cleaning. Yeah. And even stuff outside and all that, taking apart three quarters of our deck and mm-hmm. you know you've been making a lot of trips to the dump when the lady says Hey, hun, the usual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, load of crap. <laughs> <laughs> she recognizes me. She recognizes me, yeah. <laughs> awesome. But um, what else? Anything else? Uh, nothing else other than... Your big trip? We're yeah. Gonna, yeah, we're going to talk about your big trip. Because mm-hmm. that was a bit of an adventure. It was. Uh, before we get into that, though, uh, one of the spots that we ended up... Um, we wanted to check it out when we did the big Trent Severn waterway. Oh uh, yes. There was between Glen Ross, which I believe is uh, lock number seven and Percy Reach is lock number eight. There is a back channel. Oh yeah. So the big boats, they all take the main, mm-hmm. the main channel, but there is a small narrower back channel that goes north of the main channel. Okay. So, uh, Ben Stacy calls me up and says, Hey, you want to go check it out? So Saturday we decided we're going to get up early. We're going to head on up there. We parked my truck at Percy reach. And then we drove down, he had his canoe on, on the car. I uh, drove down to Glen Ross. Um, it's only about 20 kilometers. Mm-hmm. And so we, we put in there, we did the, we went through the lock. Yep. The Glen, Glen Ross, uh, Lock there. Because you hadn't done that because you camped at Glen Ross. We camped there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, well, we did go through it. Yes. Because we took out right there. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Did we? Oh, no, no, we didn't actually do mm-hmm. it because there's the, the dock. Sorry, the dock is at the bottom. Yeah. We, we pulled out at the bottom there. That's where I joined you guys in the morning when I joined you for the- Well, that was Percy Reach. But I joined at Glen Ross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, then yeah, we drove yeah. up to Percy yeah. Reach. Uh, so we did that section because we did the back channel there. Cool morning. So it was, I think it was about 10 degrees Celsius, which was a far cry from the 500 degrees Celsius <laughs> we did back in August. Uh, the two of us were in one, nobody was solo this time. So 
yeah, 20 kilometers only took us like four hours to do. Little bit of a, a tailwind at times. Um, for most of it, it was nice, calm. It was like glass in a few sections. The water was mm-hmm. beautiful. Absolutely beautiful day to paddle. It yeah. really was. Uh, herons and ospreys. There's a lot of ospreys this year. I don't have think I've ever seen as many ospreys on the rivers. What's an osprey? Uh, it's like a hawk style predator, uh, okay. bird of prey. But it's got it's got the white face with the black oh, stripe yeah, yeah, the, yeah, along yeah. the side yeah. of the head and everything. What's the white bird that looks like a heron? Egret. An egret. Egret. Yeah. I yeah. saw egrets on. Uh, They're down this way. Yeah, I've yeah. seen. They've been popping up. Yeah. And we saw some ourselves when uh, when we paddled the river at McGregor, the Saugeen River. Yep. So we saw a bunch of egrets. Yeah. 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 They're they've they've come to southern Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, I've seen a, a couple of them, yeah. Yeah, it's more and more. Yeah. They're going northward. And that and the, uh, the cormorants are just everywhere. I know. But I, I don't think I've seen as many ospreys on canoe trips as I have this year. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, herons and I think that was all, yeah, just the birds mm-hmm. is what we saw. I uh, saw a lot of people. Now, because we took the back channel, even, well, even when we got out of the back channel, there's still a, a couple wide sections that we had to do, um, to get to the, get to Percy Reach Lock. A lot of fishing boats. Oh, yeah? None of the, I mean, it's probably because it's later mm-hmm. in the year here, but no big boats. Mm-hmm. And the fishing boats didn't seem to come out till the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, a lot of people fishing for pike and pickerel and stuff like that. So. Hmm. Did but you see anybody catch anything? Is there? There was a lot of fishing, but no catching going on, <laughs> you know? Uh, no, didn't see anybody catching anything, hmm. but there was, yeah, probably saw a good couple dozen boats wow. out there all, all along the trip. Uh, it was a nice little trip through the back channel. Still a lot of, of um, cottages and stuff on it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. again, if you need to stop for a... The call of nature. Oh. You better give yourself plenty of time to find a spot because, yeah, you come, okay, well, just check up around that point. You get to that point and it's just covered in cottages. Oh. You know, so you're <laughs> there's just There's no like, privacy. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's nowhere to really, even just to, to get out and to stretch your legs, yeah. right? You know, we're going to grab a bite to eat and, well, let's get out on shore and stretch our legs while we have our, our snack or whatever. And there is nowhere, <laughs> you know. Uh, but uh, no, you know what? It was It was a good day. And one of the corners we came around, there was a bunch of cows on the shore. Oh, yeah. So we just paddled on up and all of a sudden this one calf comes yeah. right up to the water looking at us. Hey, what's going on? He's like, hey, <laughs> fellas. <laughs> you know, there was a couple looking at us doing their mooing thing yeah. and whatnot. But uh, yeah, they didn't seem to care we were there. But that mm. was pretty cool to come around and see a ton of cows there. And we were going to pull into this one there was a point, so we said, let's go to that point, because it doesn't look like there's anything there. We'll get out and stretch our legs. And we're like, wow, look at all those Canada geese. Oh, they all swim away when we get there. And we're getting closer and closer and closer. And we're thinking, man, what's wrong with these geese? They're, they're not moving. <laughs> yeah, look, why is that one looking back and not moving? He's not, yeah. 
Oh. Oh, look, a duck blind. <laughs> With a couple of fellas in it. <laughs> Wondering why we're bothering their... Their, their decoys. <laughs> they had like 25 decoys sitting out there. Ducks we're, or geese? Geese, kind of the geese. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and we're thinking... What's what's going on with what's these geese, man? Like, stupid geese. Why aren't they moving? Cause they're so dense. What's maybe we can go and get really close and get a good picture. <laughs> oh, we could have got right up to them. We could have put one right in the boat. <laughs> and then get shot. <laughs> awesome. So apparently, Canada geese work for more than just attracting Canada yeah. geese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a safe area. Yeah. Oh, let's go hang out with the geese for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took us. It. I think it's. It took us too long to realize. A little too long. <laughs> that little bit too long to go. Oh, and, and the we're guys paddling away going. The guys in the duck blind going, what are what? these guys doing? Hey, city slickers. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, I'm sure they're watching us going like, yeah, there's something wrong with them fellas. <laughs> the cheese has slid off just, their crackers. <laughs> it just took us too long to, to catch on that those ducks just weren't moving. <laughs> It's not that they weren't moving right. It's just that they weren't moving. Yeah. <laughs> to pretend don't don't move. Maybe they'll paddle on by. <laughs> Those are yeah. smart geese. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, so we, we made it to the other lock. And like I said, it was a beautiful day to be paddling. Oh, yeah. Now, we did the whole, you know, uh, from Trenton all the way up to Georgian Bay there. But... There are sections, like, especially right now, mm-hmm. beautiful day paddles. Put it one lock and go to the other lock. I mean, you're going to need two two vehicles, unfortunately. Um, but if you're looking for a good day paddle, I mean, if you, it's yeah. only four hours. Mm-hmm. But there's sections of the locks, go between a few of the locks or something, that right now, the weather is perfect for it. It was a nice, cool day. The winds weren't. I mean, it was a nice little breeze coming behind us to push us along sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking at a couple other sections that maybe would make a good... Uh, Did you go through both locks? Uh, no, we just went just through the, the one. Just the Glen Ross. Yeah, we just went so through the So you just Ross. paid for the one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we just went through the one. And, and actually, they're on uh, holiday hours right now. So if you do go, um, sometimes when they're doing the, the people at the first lock, they're in charge of the next couple locks as well. Oh, so they drive So they the got to drive back and forth mm-hmm. sort of thing and... And whatnot. Uh, the one girl uh, that was at Percy Reach at the end, um, she was the one at. She was the the girl that put us through at the the very first lock in Trenton. Oh, okay, right. She goes, yeah, you guys remember you guys. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. Um, and when we packed up before on our way to, because again we had to go down and get Ben's Ben's car. So we we load up the canoe and all the gear into my truck. And then we had to drive down to Glen Ross and then pick up uh, Ben's car. But the Empire Cheese Factory is like five oh, minutes. Oh, did you go? Five minutes from there. Yeah. So we went there and stocked up on cheese and yeah. cheese curds nice. and, and uh, the squeaky cheese. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So yeah, if you're looking for a, a nice day paddle, mm-hmm. definitely get out and, and check out lock sections of the locks. So it's easy you know. to find the back channel? Is it marked or? Oh, yeah. Um, if you got your Google Maps, oh, okay, it, it was yeah. yeah, it was really easy to find. Okay. It was, like I said, we just open up Google Maps and it's like yeah, there should be a channel, and you look up to your uh, right, mm-hmm. and you can see this channel go way okay. up. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah, really easy to find. Hmm. Uh, and plus, I mean, you see the buoys going along one way, and then 
there's, you, you, yeah. there's that channel, big wide channel. And even coming out the other end, you come out and then you can see on the far shore, the big uh, red and green buoys yeah. uh, that, you know, mark the channel. So mm-hmm. you know, you're back. And then once you get through there, it's just through a couple wide sections and you're, you're at Percy Reach Lock. Mm-hmm. And then you can either get out at the bottom where that's where we, where we put in there, that road is yeah. right there. Yeah. Or you can go through the lock and, um, put in at the top sort of thing, mm-hmm. get out at the top sort of thing. Yeah. Cool. So, so yeah, if you're, if you're looking for day paddles in the fall, especially now with the fall colors starting to come out, mm-hmm. um, check some of the more northerly sections where there's yeah. lots of trees mm-hmm. and, uh, probably they'll be really, where did we go? What sec- section was that? Oh, that would have been, um, oh, that would have been out of Swift Rapids. So you're probably not going to want to do that one. But yeah, that whole section would be beautiful. Oh, out of Kirkfield lift lock. Oh, okay. Kirkfield lift lock area, both sides. Cause there's lots of trees through there. Mm-hmm. That'll be beautiful pretty soon. Oh yeah. 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 That'll be yeah. a really nice paddle. That's one because of the few all locks I've seen. The, all the colors will be starting. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause yeah. we, we saw them starting already. Yeah. But you know, in a couple of weeks, that'll be full on mm-hmm. colors paddling through there. It's so a, if you're into paddling and you're into photography, that's yeah. a spot to hit. So the Peterborough... So there's there's a lock that we went through the big blue doors remember that one, but then other than that the like the two the two lift locks that I've been through or seen mm-hmm. like the Kirkfield one and the Peterborough one it's a quite the elevation gain yeah oh like well definitely huge. definitely um, Peterborough yeah but yeah the Kirkfield either side of that mm-hmm. you'll want to paddle through yeah. if you can because mm-hmm. that's going to be really nice right now or in a couple of weeks yeah with the fall colors yeah. and saw trees and stuff. I've like heard that. people talking about, like we saw some colors changing on, uh, on the Noir River. Yeah. Not much, just the odd tree here and there. But, uh, I've heard stories from people they see online. It's like, they're seeing some colors change up North and stuff like that. So it's, uh, we're just around the corner from, uh, from fall colors. Right. Yeah. So, um, anyway, let's talk, let's take a quick break here. And then we come back, we're going to talk about your, third annual Burt Reynolds River Run on the Noir River. Mm-hmm. And you might want to listen in on this one because it things happen. Yeah. It's uh, lessons learned. Things happen, yeah. lesson learned. Yeah. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Sean Rowley and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. To find out more about us, check out our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. So the third annual Burt Reynolds River Run on the Noir River. Burt Reynolds Memorial River Run. Oh, oh, I forgot Memorial. Mm-hmm. Third annual Burt Reynolds Memorial River yes. Run 
on the Noire River yes. in Quebec. And the, the, the name of the trip comes from when the f- group of four of us first started these trips three years ago. We were on the uh, Des Moines River, and just just a week before we started the trip, Burt Reynolds passed away. Yeah. So it's like we were thinking of deliverance. We were, we were all talking about Burt Reynolds and, and the movie, and they said, you know what? what? We should start this. This will be our first annual Burt Reynolds Memorial River Run. And so that's that's what it's been ever since. And now you've done your third. Yes. So tell us, was it everything you expected and more? Well, it was. It was really. It was a really good trip. Like it for it was shortened, but it was. A, it was a really good trip. The uh, the outfitter is fantastic guy. Like and it was. Uh, <clears throat> it was. It was typical trip, right? We. But what was what was different for the river? And we noticed it right away. And the outfitter was talking about it. He said that. In the 40 years that he's been outfitting on the river, he's not seen fall water levels this high. He's the, really? this is this is like late spring water levels. It's you could see where the water levels are on the freshet when everything melts and you get the big thundering roar. Yep. But we were in many cases the water level was uh, up a couple feet, two three feet, and wow. fast, very fast. Well, that's what gets you too is the fast. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was like there was. You could just, you know, on the on the calm section, you just just float along if you wanted to. The water right. was moving like it was moving pretty quick. So yeah, it was. Uh, so we uh, we got up there on the Friday, and uh, so that was our travel day. You know, the typical first night stake at the Outfitters. We camped in his yard and and stuff like that. Uh, so on day one, Saturday, we started. So we had the option of uh, doing a lake start or the bridge start. The uh, Lake start means you have to paddle all the way up the lake and then paddle back down the river to where you started, where you've crossed over the bridge, right? And uh, so we decided to shorten it, give us some time, and we knew we were getting rain on Sunday, so we thought we might want a layover day with all the rain. So we went to the uh, mile, uh, the kilometer 115 at the bridge, and uh, so it was it was just a calm first day, right? We just had one swift, and we camped above the very first rapids, which was called the Wall, and uh, when we scouted it afterwards, it was like, uh, <laughs> it was like, oh, I'm not running that because it, the, uh, the water pushes you to the right and then you have to immediately hook to the left across the rock face and there's all these dead trees hanging off the rock face. So you'd, you'd be fighting to keep off the rock face and ducking underneath the big trees. Right. So we ended up lining it on river left. So we got past that, but it was, uh, when we... All, the whole way along, when we compared the the river features with uh, the HAP's book, like, uh, you know, water features change over the years, plus water levels high. HAP wrote his book in July at low water levels, and we were there at uh, at late spring high water levels. You know, it's fall, but you know what I mean. That's mm-hmm. you, you typically see the water levels in late spring. And uh, so the features, the features were very different from what we were reviewing on Hap's book and the classes weren't really jiving. We were thinking, oh, well, this should be a class one, but it looks like a class two. And, and so it was, uh, it was clearly faster. The water was clearly very much higher. Like we had, we had a lot of rain in the previous weeks leading up to this trip in the, in the, the Quebec has had the rain. And then on the Sunday, it rained heavy all morning. And we noticed a water level change that the next day when we got back on the river from where we uh, first took out to go camping, right? Right. Now, you, 
you also had other maps. So yeah, not we just had book. we had uh, we had maps from that the outfitter provided to us. Right, and we had Hap's book. Plus we had, uh, we, we, I had some, I did, uh, you know, some Google maps just to know our location, but mm-hmm. it doesn't help with the river. But yeah, the, uh, the, the outfitters maps didn't always agree with HAPS maps, but HAPS maps, I think are about 25, 30 years old. Yeah. And I've heard that before. I mean, they're, they're not to be taken, they're, there was, they're a reference. They're a reference. It's a guide. Yeah, you yeah. really, you still have to scout your because own Because things change over oh, yeah. 25 yeah. years, you know, I mean, rocks disappear. Exactly. High water hides rocks. And you know, like a, if you see, if you have a curved loop in a river and it could wash out and you have a straight, tra- straight stretch and you yeah. have this abandoned loop now. Yeah. Right. So things do change. Or something change. that's supposed to be a swift is now. Is something else. Class yeah. one or yeah, something. Yeah. The river's moved two. aside by 20 feet. And so it's all different. Yeah. So yeah. So there's changes and, and there's clearly, so the, uh, the outfitters maps and he's, he's been doing that river for 40 years, taking people up and down it. And he's been running it for 40 years himself. And so he's, he, uh, he said, you know, he's he, take his Everybody, he said, every map is just a guide. You have to scout everything yourself. Oh yeah. But he said his is a little bit more accurate because his is more up to date. And so we had the two to compare. And so, uh, Hap's maps were more detailed because he had drawings of the rapids and, and the features in the water. So it was good to reference that, to have an idea of what to expect when we scouted, but we still scouted everything. Right. Right. What was it? Do you remember the name of Hap's book? No, I, I don't. Okay. I don't remember. The Rivers of Quebec or something. I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember. Mike has the book. I don't have it. Oh, I'll, I'll ask Mike then. Yeah. yeah. So then, uh, so that was Saturday. Uh, Where did you, what was the campsite like? It was fantastic. It was, uh, it was a beach site and there's sand all up and down the Noir River. It's, it's right. sand. Well, that's right? what, yeah. We there's so much sand that. everywhere and it's a nice fine sand. So you can see that there's like an old ocean or something like before the ice age type thing, right? Right. So it's nice, beautiful sand everywhere <clears throat> in the campsites, on this beaches, everywhere. It's like you, you, you go anywhere and you, you dig up anywhere it's all sand. So it's a, it's a really nice area. It's nice and soft. And it, yeah, after when we were, when it was raining, the water never, it never pooled. The water just disappeared, right? Just went through the sand. Right. And, uh, but it was nice. We had, uh, because on the second day on Sunday, we were predicting rain all day long. And in some periods there was like, you know, in the morning, early in the morning, like eight to 10 millimeters or early afternoon, like it was le- talking like 15 millimeters and, and, uh, and then late afternoon, depending on who you go to the weather network said sunny and dark sky app that I had with my. Uh, satellite communicator was saying 46 millimeters. So it's like, Ooh, <laughs> that's quite the discrepancy. So that, that's another, that's a complaint about the Zaleo we'll talk about later. Yeah. So we laid over and, and we all, every day we had good meals cooked, right? So, you know, I, I, one of the things that I like cooking is, uh, I do a breakfast that's, uh, scrambled eggs, smoked salmon, bacon, um, cheese and you know all in a wrap type thing right so it's a it's a yummy little breakfast and it was great for a uh a wet day like that so kept us warm and uh so that was the layover day and uh so that was good we uh just kind of tucked under the tarp all day long and hid out and we uh when it wasn't raining as bad it was still rained all day but in when when it wasn't as heavy we uh we walked down the uh the it's like a access road, a woods road. It's like 
two tire tracks in the mud type thing, right? Oh, okay. So we walked down that and got down to a low, the lower end of the river and where we scouted the wall and says, oh, <laughs> we're not running we're that not sucker. Running that, yeah. Because from upriver, you can't see it. You come down a first set of swifts, then you curve to the right and you do a second set of swifts and that pushes you right into the third, the rapid, right? So you can't see that rapid unless you go down river to look at it. Right. So we... Uh, we scouted it from shore and then the next day we scouted it from the island because there's an island right there in the river. So we, we ended up scouting it from the lower end and then scouting it from the upper end before we decided we, yeah, well, I don't want to run that. Well, that's the whole point of scouting. Yeah, stuff exactly. So you're yeah. Not, uh... And you could see the water was very pushy right up against that big rock face. It was like, oh, yeah. it doesn't look good at all, especially with the overhanging logs. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, take your head off. That's going to yeah. get you. Try any fishing? We did. We, uh, we didn't catch any fishing, any, we did fishing, but we didn't catch any fish. Uh, the outfitter was saying that, uh, there's no real fish on the river until you get below an area called mountain shoots. And, uh, so yeah, we, uh, on the upper end, we just nothing, there was nothing there. And what's interesting, well, just speaking of fishing is just like, you can't see through the water. It's the water. It's uh, dark. It's dark, the tannins from whatever. So it's, you can see why the river's called the Noir River, right? Right. So it's a, uh, it's a very dark, murky water. And, uh, you could see like if we left water out in the, uh, in the, uh, the, we have the platypus, or not the platypus, the, the two bag, the dirty bag, yeah, clean the bag. Platypus, platypus. Gravity filter. So if we left water in there too long, you could see it start to settle out and get kind of darky, murkier brown, dark at the bottom of the bag right. as it settled for a couple hours. So it was, uh, so yeah, I might need a new filter after this trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what they're for, man. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So then, uh, so then on, uh, so that we had the opportunity that day, we, uh, you know, Martin had uh, the front, he was saying on the drive up to there, the, uh, he's just driving along and, uh, and, uh, out of the canoe flops the, uh, the leg straps. It just detached and fell on his windshield as he was driving. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so, so he, uh, he had some, uh, contact cement, some crazy glue and some gorilla tape. And so he, on this rain, rain day, when the sun came out, he repaired it. See, hindsight would say that was red flag number one. <laughs> but it, it's, uh, it, it, it got tested. It didn't break free. So <laughs> not that we know of. Yeah. Um, so the, um, so he repaired that and, you know, the, the, then we, uh, I did notice that my 20 plus year old tent is a bit leaky. <laughs> oh, for a new one. Yeah. So because Mike brought his dog Willow, he couldn't sleep in his hammock that he normally does and we had limited space so we brought my tent and Mike, myself and Willow slept in the tent right. in my tent right but my tent's getting a little bit old it's still not too bad very little rain got in but it did do you just maybe need to hit it with more waterproof spray yeah or get a new tent it's yeah I, I go for a new tent I, I got it in I bought it in the fall of 2000 yeah. September 2000. Yeah, you're due. <laughs> if your wife has an issue, you tell her. Sean says you're due. It's a good tent. It's been a really good tent to me. <laughs> so, so anyways, uh, so now after the layover and we do the wall of rapids and we line it. So this is day three, Monday. Uh, we got on the water pretty early. Uh, we lined down past the wall. It was clearly not runnable in the current conditions. 
Um, so you could see that the water levels were very high and you could see the, the like all along the river, see all the new growth over summer. Mm-hmm. So there was new growth submerged, like small trees, branches, grass. It was all submerged. It's like, oh, you can clearly see Higher the water, water level is up, right? Yeah. So uh, it's uh, like the, like we were saying earlier, the water features don't match what was Hap's book, but it was clearly different times of year that his book was written plus 30 years plus whatever, right? Yeah. So uh, the uh, Mike's boat, it's, it's... When we did the Des Moines, the canoe we rented took on water like crazy. Mike's boat is a lot better, but mm-hmm. it still takes on water when you go through the haystacks. Yeah. When you go through tall water, it's like you're cutting through and it's like I'm getting a lap full of water, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, but it was, it's a lot more, his his new boat, the Canyon, he's got, it's a lot more stable than the one we rented. So it was nice to have this, this new boat on, in, in some heavy water. We took it on the, uh, on the Sturgeon River, but it was was it Sturgeon? Sturgeon. So, no, not Sturgeon. Spanish River. The Spanish when we River. took it on the Spanish River last year, we were there and it was like super low water levels. We didn't have any white water to run, so we didn't really get to test it last year, right? Right. So we tested it this year and handled really well. Took on a little bit of water, but not too bad. So I got to ask, how did Willow do with the white water? So she, uh, and we've seen this before, like we did a little bit of white water when we were in Tomogamy. And uh, in, in, uh, Mike's, uh, Cedar Strip. So when we're in the boat with her, she's more calm, but there was at one point where we were standing next to the canoe and the, we were next to white water and we were taking a look and scouting it and Willow was there panting, going crazy. But as soon as we got in the canoe with her, she calms right down. Right. Yeah. But, uh, the, when, when you see all the, all the water was splashing in and you, there's like a couple inches of water in the bottom of the boat, she's getting a little nervous and she's looks like she wants to jump out. Yeah. So it's, uh, Mike's already said that he's, uh, it was an experiment. He wanted the dog with him, yeah. but he's, he doesn't think he'll bring it, the dog on a whitewater trip again. Yeah. See, and that was it's not worth the risk. That was think. my, my thinking Yeah, is I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel comfortable having a dog. Now, I mean, you look at guys like Jim Baird who took yeah. Buck everywhere. Exactly, you know, yeah. Right? But there, there's also times where you would see Buck would run the shore. Exactly. While he was, mm-hmm. I don't know if Willow is that trained or I not. I don't know if Willow would know to make it down on her own. Or like she'd it, just look at you guys and say, see you later, suckers. Yeah. <laughs> but that was really good about Buck. So, uh, like, he would, uh, Jim would send Buck ashore mm-hmm. and Jim would run the rapid and Buck would run along shore through the woods to get to the bottom for some, somehow Buck knew to make his way down get to the down bottom there, of the yeah. rapids. Smart dog. And so, I, but I don't know. I, I assume Willow would be able to do that, but I don't know if Willow would know to do it safely. Yeah. Right. Or she would try to jump get in, in the and, water. <clears throat> There's yeah. at one point we, we came out of a portage. So we slid, slid the, uh, Mike's canoe over a rock ledge down to lower. But while we we're dropping the canoe down, uh, Scott and Martin pulled and dragged their canoe through a 20 meter portage. And, uh, I didn't want to do all that work. So we went across the rock and dropped it right into the water. <clears throat> and, uh, when Scott and Martin left the portage, they left before we were ready to hit the water. Willow jumped in the water and started swimming after Scott and Martin. Right. 
So, and we had to, they had to yell at the dog to come back and Mike had to call the dog back. So it was like, yeah, you know what? If we uh, tried to get her to go ashore and skip the rapid, she would just jump in and go after us, I think. Yeah. Now my thing, like I say, I mean, you have to take the dog out and um, see what she does. Yes, exactly. My, my thing is what happens if you guys what if we dump and, we're, and does she, yeah, because does she panic, does she just exactly. go, <laughs> every, every dog for themselves. Yeah, exactly. Make a beeline to shore. Well, and I've heard that before. So who's the guy in Newfoundland, man and his dog? Oh, Justin Barber. Justin Barber. Yeah. So Saku. he said at one point where he thought he had lost his dog. So the dog had gone ashore on an opposite side of the river mm-hmm. and he had to look for the dog. And so that's one thing is like, so we think, okay. Grab a paddle, swim ashore, whatever. Uh, if it's safe, grab the canoe, then go downstream, collect your gear. Everybody go to the left river left because that's where the portage is going to be. Yeah. And, uh, but the dog's dog not thinking that. Dog doesn't know that. Yeah. Dog is just going to be paddling and going down river, right? And the dog may just not even stop, may not even try and get ashore, just keep swimming. Who yeah. knows? Who yeah. knows? Just right? keep swimming. <laughs> just keep swimming. <laughs> just keep swimming. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was my only thing when we were, we were talking about going on that trip. Is when you guys were saying, yeah. yeah, we're heading there. I'm just, I'd be uncomfortable mm-hmm. with, but you know what? You got to take the dog yeah. and find out. And it was nice having Willow there. She's, she had a blast on the portage. She loves the woods. When we were scouting uh, the rapids near the wall, we, uh, we were just going through the woods. There's no path. Yeah. And I was way ahead and she was zipping past me, jumping between trees, jumping over rocks and going forward and back. She was having a blast. So yeah. excited. And I'm thinking, oh, Willow, watch yourself. You're going to run into a tree. <laughs> but yeah. she was having a blast. Good. She loves the portages. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're, if Mike's doing his regular trips, then yeah, she's, definitely, definitely yeah, take Willow. Flat water paddling. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if, if you're, uh, no, because I know I did see a part of a video where she was behind you. Yes. And one of the packs shifted. Oh yeah. So yeah. So we took on, we took on enough water that the pack started floating. And so after that incident, we tied the pack in. I don't like tying packs in canoes. Yeah. I'd like them to escape if you dump. But anyways, we tied it because the water got in and it, the pack floated and moved backwards and Willow had to jump up out of the, uh, uh, up from the yoke and the thwart and she was standing on top of my pack Yeah. because the pack moved. She had no place to stand now, right? So it was, uh, yeah, so that kind of freaked her out and, uh, but she had no choice. Like she's going to oh, yeah. get crushed yeah. by the pack if she doesn't move. Yeah. But I mean, that's another learning experience for you guys to say, oh, you know what? Mm-hmm. If the dog's going to be here, yeah. then we need to. Yeah. Tie that that way or move stuff around where there is no pack and then yeah, there. But exactly. I mean, you guys couldn't do that. You had so much stuff that you mm-hmm. couldn't. Yeah. Because you guys aren't light travelers. No, we weren't light travelers. We <laughs> I'm had looking a, at your menu here. <clears throat> steak and steak vegetables. And, yeah, we had pulled pork three dozen eggs with us on that uh, trip. What, chili? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys weren't going like at all. <laughs> well, because there's no portages. So it's like, eh. Well, there was minimal. There was, yeah. for the whole river, there was 420 meters of portages. Yeah. Right? So you might as well. Yeah. Go heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, that, that was my thing. I, was, that, I mean, we talked about when we, were, when we were doing a preview on what your trip was going to be before you guys went. Yeah. That was one of the concerns. It's like, what about Willow and, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, yeah. the whitewater and stuff like that. And uh, so apparently it turned out, like it turned we, out well. Like Mike's taken Willow camping quite a few times. She's a good, 
she loves she loves the boat. She oh, loves yeah. water. Yeah. She loves uh, you know the portages. So he was pretty confident, but she hadn't been on a big whitewater trip, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been on. Uh, I went up to Mogami with Mike and Willow, and and she was really good in the boat. It was. Uh, it gets kind of unnerving when. So I'm usually in the bow, and when she shifts sides of the boat, if you're in the stern, and I've been in the back with Willow. So you can see where she's going. So you're ready for the shift in the boat. Yeah. When she's behind me and I can't see it, it's suddenly the boat shifts sideways and it's like you're with it. You know, you're, you're with a newbie paddler and they shift around in the boat. It's like, what are you doing you back do? there? No, don't move. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you doing back there? Yeah. So Willow would, uh, she'd like, she'd, she'd kind of, huh, I'm going to lay down. So she just flops. She just, she just drops her legs out from under and she just flops against the gunnels and, and the whole boat shifts and it's like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> or she'll get up and walk from one side of the canoe to the other and you can feel the whole shift of weight. Yeah, she's like she's 60. not working, she's bored. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to sleep this way now. Exactly. <laughs> so it was unsettling, but she was a really good boat dog. So I had no issue with, uh, with the dog being on the trip. Yeah. And uh, if Mike is confident with her there, then I'm confident with her there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she seemed to, uh. She took to it. it. Yeah, she did yeah. enjoy it very much so. Just maybe needs some more training. And yeah. again, this is this is just things you start to think about when... Exactly. You, you know, yeah. after the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? Maybe it wasn't the greatest idea or maybe we got to look at how we lay things out in yeah. the boat to make sure she's got more room or, mm-hmm. you know. And my other question is, she has a life jacket. Yep. And I'll have to ask Mike, has he ever thrown her into the water with it? Because I know a lot of she, people, they'll buy a life jacket yeah. for themselves, mm-hmm. but it's never actually been in the water. I think she, well, she, in Tomogamy, she had a different life jacket. And uh, so he bought a higher buoyancy life jacket for this trip. Right. Which would be a good. But I think she wore it for the first time in water. Like he tested it on her, but I don't think he had her in the water with it. Because when I, when I saw him put the life jacket on her for the first time, it was pristine. You yeah. see, it's, it's never been wet or dirty. Yeah. So I there's a lot of people that do that as well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this PFD will work for you. All right, yeah. I'll buy it. And it, it's worn in the boat, but yeah. it's never actually been in water. Yeah. So the first time you go over. You don't know. You don't know. if it's, yeah. That's when you find out whether it actually yeah. works or not. Yeah. And I've asked people that too. Like, uh, yeah. like I remember when, uh, so when we did the Minus Link last year, Johnny got a brand new life jacket and I said, have you tested it yet? Nope. I haven't tested it yet. So it was, and uh, Martin, he had a new life jacket this trip and he hadn't tested it yet. I said, well, how do you know? Did it, does it float? What's a, how's the buoyancy? So yeah, it's, uh, I, and when I got my current life jacket, I don't think I tested it out either. I don't think I just jumped in to see how buoyancy, how buoyant it was. Yeah. When, when I, I recall when I, uh, I had bought it, when I did a course at MKC, I did a uh, whitewater kayaking course and I did like we, they wanted us in the water. So yeah. obviously we all jumped in and whatever. They, they wanted us wet before we even got in the kayaks for the first time type thing, right? So I assume that was so that they could test our life jackets. <laughs> yeah, make sure they're working. Yeah. But yeah, I'll have to ask Mike uh, if, if it works mm-hmm. or not. I know we... we uh, well, Willow was in the water quite a few times with the life jacket during, oh, yeah? this, during this trip. Okay. Oh yeah. Like he would throw sticks in and she'd go after them and she'd be swimming, clearly floating. Right. So it did work pretty well. Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. There was cool. the, the jacket had really good flotation. So she went over, there was no worries at all. No, no. Yeah. It, there was good flotation. Just from him playing fetch with the dog in the water, you could see that it floated her. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. 
Mm-hmm. Awesome. So uh, day three. Yeah. So day three, it was uh, it was we we're, were usually on the water by nine, so we early starts right. So we lined past the wall. The water was high and fast. Uh, we noticed that. So when we would take water on, we would uh, usually take a while to get us to we find a safe place to bail it out, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so we noticed that. Uh, so we had my Eureka pack, which has a couple holes in it. But everything was in sacks inside, so water the outside of the dry sacks would get wet. But uh, Mike's blue barrel, he uh, he said it was an olive barrel or something, but it uh, it clearly does not seal because when we when we got ashore that night, we uh, we opened up and we were pulling stuff out, and it's like I, I noticed it's like hey things look wet in here. <laughs> so it's time for a new barrel. Yes. So n- nothing at damage, but, uh, we dumped a couple of liters of water out of that barrel. Ooh. Yeah. So there's no seal. Water just flowed freely into the barrel. Time for a new barrel. So after that, we wrapped everything in garbage bags inside the barrel. We put any sensitive stuff into other bags, Yeah. but anything in the barrel was like, you know, booze and, and anything wrapped in plastic and stuff that d- we didn't care if we got it wet. Yeah. So... But yeah, there's a lot of water in that barrel. <laughs> it's like, holy cow, that's a lot of water. Things are floating in the bottoms. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, so, we, and so by the end of the day three, we got to, uh, we got to the campsite just above uh, Mountain Chutes. And uh, so it was like, well, you know what? It's like three in the afternoon. We're all feeling a bit tired. It's been a long day. Let's, uh, we'll camp early because I thought, well, if we, if we continue on, we don't know how far down the next good campsite is. We don't know if it's going to take us two hours with, with the portaging and, and running the rapids. So it's like, oh, we'll just call it quits. And so we, uh, we set camp at about three. We, uh, we walked down all the, we walked down the portages and scouted the river. And so it was a nice sunny day, right? So we scouted everything and checked everything out. And, uh, we took quite a while and then came back and, and, uh, what did we have for supper that night? Oh yeah. We had, uh, Mike's egg wraps. So, uh, Mike has this nice recipe. It's, uh, you saute like onions and peppers and put spices in it and, uh, you mix it with, uh, with scrambled eggs. You scramble the whole thing with eggs and you put all that in a wrap with cheese and hot sauce and mm, so good. Oh yeah. You chop up bacon and put it into the eggs as you, uh, scramble them with all the sauteed vegetables and it's, uh, it makes a really nice wrap. Awesome. Mm-hmm. It's really yummy. So that was, that was a nice treat. And, uh, so then, so then we get to day four. So day four, first thing right off the bat is we have to run a set of, uh, class one technical, uh, rapids. There's a lot of hazards to get around and we have to, we have to get to river left to get to the portage and the portage is just above the first ledge going into the chutes, right? Now mountain chutes, Mm -hmm. that's the four, the, the waterfall portage that has all the ropes and Yes. Pulleys. Yeah. And so you can do, they call it the portage from hell. So it's a really long portage. It takes you up through the hills mm-hmm. and I don't know how long it is, but it's really long, but you can cut that down to 10%. If you do the shortened portage, which, uh, starts right above the, the, uh, where the rapids get into like class two, class three, class four. And, uh, so that you pull out there, you get through the portage and at the very end, you have a, uh, it's a rope and pulley system you can use. We ended up using just our own rope and use trees, wrap the rope around trees and lower the canoe down. But it's like basically a rock face, rock face, right? Right. And so you could climb down it. It's kind of sketchy when you got a pack on you. 
but you you don't want to carry you can't carry a canoe down there. Right. It's just not safe, right? So so yeah, that's that's where the, all the rope stuff is, and you have to get down the cliff. So anyways, we uh, so the next morning we uh, that this is the day where things kind of went sideways. So uh, so we uh, right off the bat we started off, and so Martin took lead, and uh, and we followed hmm, maybe a hundred. 150 meters behind him and uh so i knew that we had to we all knew we had to get to the left we had scouted the river the night before and uh, i think in hindsight we uh what should be done is uh you need to scout the river for the current conditions right so that morning there was uh there was a mist and a bit of fog and the day before when we scouted it it was sunny full sunshine and so the river does look different especially well from when you scout it, you're scouting it from the side and from downstream or from upstream. And we scouted it from river left. And, uh, so when we went down the next day, conditions were different. It was a bit foggier. Plus like, honestly, like there's water volume was up so high. The classes potentially your, your classes of water are changing because you got high water levels. It's faster. The rapids are different. So it's still a class one technical, but it was like very pushy and very fast. Well, when that fast water is hitting. It changes everything. Yeah. It changes all the dynamics, right? That little ripple turns into a wave. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that wave turns into something even bigger. Exactly. Right. So we, uh, we, me and Mike, uh, we, we, I, I recognize some of the features. I saw the beach that we passed. We have to get over to the left. So we got over to the left and, uh. So when we got down to, uh, we weren't focusing on Martin and Scott because we were worried about our own, uh, our own progress. So we got over to river left and we got to the portage, but soon as we, soon as we were approaching the portage, it's like, um, there's no boat in front of us. Where's Martin and Scott's boat. And, uh, so we realized quickly that they missed the portage. And so I jumped out, grabbed the throw bag, Mike, uh, I, Mike tied the boat up and I ran down and right below the first set of, uh, the first ledge and drop off was, uh, is a large eddy on river left. And that's where I found Scott crawling ashore from the eddy. And first thing Scott says is that Martin went, what would I say? Martin, uh, Martin was swept downstream. And so it's like, oh no, oh crap. Right. Because that's the shoot. That's the shoot. And so we, uh, we quickly scan the river. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see Martin. I couldn't see his boat. And so we quickly, uh, ran down all three of us now were together with Willow and we ran down to the end of the chute, crawled down the cliff face and, uh, and went to the, um, the put in at the bottom of the chute where, uh, right, right where the rapids, that, that chute stops. Right. And, uh, so we're standing there and, and we start recognizing, okay, there's the Eureka pack in the river left eddy. There's, there's a camera case in river right eddy. There's uh, we saw the canoe kind of pop up out of the water and, uh, it was upside down floating downstream, but we didn't see Martin. So now kind of panic starts to set in. It's like, Oh crap. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> one of my first instincts was to go get the boat. Right. You got to recover your watercraft. Right. You know, Mike says, no, no, we got to focus on Martin. It's like, you're right, you're right, right. Let's focus on Martin, right? So the boat disappeared downstream. And uh, so the boat disappeared downstream. And it's like, well, where's Martin? We don't see Martin. And uh, so I sent Mike upstream to scan the river. He was 
go upstream, scan all the different sets of rapids, see if you can find Martin. Maybe he got out on the opposite shore. Right. Maybe he's like, maybe he got out on this side of the shore. We just haven't seen him. And, uh, and so Scott stayed there with the throw bag at the bottom of the chute. And, uh, I started working my way down river to check to see if he got washed out down below. And, uh, so, so it quickly gets really steep sided. So I had to jump in and swim down. So I'm swimming down, looking for an opportunity to get out of the river. So I'm thinking if when you're at the bottom of the chute, it's a dog leg left. You can't see around the corner. So I swam down until I could see the long straight stretch of uh, those class one technical below uh, mountain chutes. And uh, so I could see that there was nobody down there below me. We could no longer see the canoe. And so at that point, I'm looking for opportunities for me to get out of the river because I'm thinking, well, if I can get out here, because before that it's cliff faces, you can't get out. Right. And then below that, when it was slopey and treed, that's when I got out. And so I, I crawled ashore and as, and I, when, as I crawled up higher on the shore in the bank, I could see down around the dog leg, right, uh, of the river. And I still couldn't see anything down there. Martin's got a white helmet, didn't see anything. So I crawl up into the woods and, and, uh, I hear a whistle. And so I whistled back. And then he whistled me and I thought Mike had worked his way down river towards me and through the forest. And then, but shortly after that, I came across Martin. He's like, <clears throat> he's walking through the woods and he's, looks like he's mild. He's kind of sh- shook. He's shook. Right. He looks shook. He gave me a big hug when he found me. And, and so he's soaking wet and he's, uh, he's clearly traumatized by going over a waterfall, right? Well, as one would be. And so in hindsight, thinking back, I'm thinking... So we got to the shore, we saw the canoe pop up. So the canoe must've hung up for a while because we saw the canoe, but we didn't see Martin. So Martin- He was already passed. He already got washed out and he already got washed out downstream. So when we saw the canoe, the canoe had to have been hung up for a while. And then it popped up and flowed downstream upside down. So from there, I assessed Martin. He's walking and talking, mild shock maybe. And so he, first thing he he asks is he- he, uh, he says, Scott, have you seen Scott? How's Scott? I said, Scott's fine. He's waiting for you up river. And, uh, he says, well, what about you? You're, uh, did you go down too? I said, no, no, I had swam to get to you. I didn't do the shoot. I came down the portage. So he says, so Willow and Mike's okay. I said, yep. So through the conversation, Martin seems pretty good. He's okay. So we had a discussion. He says, does, and nobody knows that I'm out of the river. I said, no. He says, we both agreed that I would rush back, let everybody know that everything was okay. <clears throat> Martin was going to, he had to, he had dry pants on that, that filled with water. So he had to empty water out of his dry pants. So right. he was going to make his way back slowly. He seemed uninjured at the time. And so I made it back. I alerted Scott, couldn't find Mike. By that time, Mike had passed me in the woods, but we didn't see each other. And he had found Martin then afterwards oh, too. Okay. So then Mike came across Martin and then Mike and Martin came back and, uh, and, uh, they came back and we rallied together at the portage, started a fire, and <clears throat> immediately I went to the pack, got dry clothes, my dry clothes for Martin. And uh, at that point, he, he tried putting dry clothes over wet clothes. And it's like, Martin, take off the dry, take off the wet clothes. And he's like, you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm not thinking. So there, I think, and he's, he's a bit shocky. There's he's not, he's not, not right. thinking clearly. So yeah. he's a bit, he's, he's How my, cold was the water? It was pretty cold, but not... Hypothermia cold? No, not... If you spend enough time in it, maybe hypothermia cold. But it's... Once you're in it, it's like, eh, 
I can handle this for a bit. I did go for a swim then okay. on, on the Sunday, right? And uh, so, but he was, he, he was clearly shook from his experience, right? Yeah. And so we, uh, we built a fire. I gave him some dry clothes. And as soon as he had the dry clothes on and standing around the fire, he said immediately he felt better. Okay, I, I'm, I, I feel better. He's, he felt stronger. He felt more clear-headed. So then we started kind of hammering out ideas what we have to do. So we'll, we'll go recover the packs that we could find in the river. And since we're missing a boat now, the, the we and what's fortunate uh, is uh, the Noir River, the access road runs right along Noir. So there's so many points where it's like 150, 200 meters from the river is the road. Right. So you don't have far to go. Yeah. So we, we hammered out a bunch of plans and the final plan that we decided on executing is, uh, they were going to take whatever packs we could recover and, uh, they were going to hike up to the road, take the road down to the Lillette or the Island Rapids. Right. And, uh, so they were going to go down to that campsite and me and Mike were going to get back in the river and we we're going to paddle down to Island Rapids we're going to sweep for gear, see if we can find anything. We're going to rally up at the, uh, <clears throat> at the campsite in Portage. And, uh, from there we would, we would, uh, contact if we could find gear, whatever, but then we would, uh, contact the outfitter. And this is where my, uh, my Jeep, my satellite communicator came in pretty handy because when we were up at, uh, when we were making plans, we, I sent an email to the outfitter saying, this is the condition we're in. This is what happened. We're missing a boat and, uh, we need a pickup. And, uh, so we, uh, we sent, so we went down to the bottom of the chute. I had to rappel down into the chute because right where the portage is, you can't get the pack. I had to go to the actual chute itself. So I went down the cliff face with a rope and, uh, reached in, grabbed the pack. We brought that back. Martin and Scott took that pack and Willow hiked down the road to the, to the campsite. Me and Mike finished the portage and we put in and, uh, paddle down watching the shoreline for gear, right? Because right. we're missing a couple paddles, a pack, a canoe, a bear barrel and whatever. Right. So we, we, while well, we watched focusing for gear, but also focusing on the, on the rapids, we, uh, we made it down to, there's, we, there's a known log dam there. Right. It, it, right at the head of an island. So right on that log dam, we found a bear barrel and a paddle. And then we circled that island a bit to look on both sides of the island for gear. Didn't find anything else. Then we got down to the campsite and quickly we ran the camp, the portage at the campsite. So it comes out in two different places. Right. Because it has, it bypasses the, uh, the rapids there and we didn't find any more gear. So then we came back, we hiked out to the road to find Scott and Martin. And, uh, <clears throat> it's like very quick. You can, you can see the road from the campsite almost. Right. So we waited on the side of the road till they came down the road. Then we, we rallied again at the campsite, started another fire to, uh, warm everybody up. And at that point, it's like, I, I took out the communicator again. The outfitter had communicated back saying, yes, do you need a canoe and paddles? And I said, by that point, Martin was, so when we had the first fire, 
up at Mountain Chutes, Martin was noticing that his ankle was sore and his knee was sore. Right. So initially he didn't feel the pain. I think there was shock plus the, the plus the injury and... has to progress for whatever damage was done, right? So at that point we realized that uh, when we were down at Lillette, at, Martin wasn't going to be able to paddle any longer. He was, uh, he was a little bit disenfranchised with the whole thing. He was like still in a little bit shock and he couldn't do a portage. He, he was limping badly. And, uh, so he couldn't, I don't think he could, uh, bend a knee into a canoe, nor could he carry a pack over a portage. And so it just caused a problem. Plus we're missing a canoe. Yep. But the, when the outfitter did come, they did bring us canoe, but we said, no, no, we're done. It's this too much has happened. There's whatever, right? We, uh, we, uh, we'll leave the gear to the river gods for now and hopefully somebody finds it and returns it. But, uh, otherwise we're done. So we... We, uh, you know, put the fire out and we, uh, out to the road and loaded everything up into the outfitters, uh, suburban and, and, uh, then headed back. So it was, uh, so that was basically the end of the trip. That was about quarter after nine, 20 after nine when the incident happened. And then, so the outfitter picked us up at about, oh, three-ish. Right. Yeah. So it was, uh. When we got back, it was, uh, it, we, uh, we were offered, uh, to stay in the outfitter's cabin or house that night. So we had a, a warm house, hot shower. We cooked on a stove yeah, and yeah, it was good. It was a, it was good. It was a good end to a cold and stressful day. Right. So it was, uh, it, uh, it all worked out in the end. Martin is still, so he's, uh, he contacted us earlier saying that, uh, he has to stay off his leg for 12 days. Wow. So he's on, he's has a cane. He has to stay off his leg. And so he's got some bad ankle and knee damage. He's got, uh, he's probably going to have to do some physio, right? Probably so, whacked it off a rock yeah. or something in there. Yeah. So, uh, the, the ACL is on the inside. The LCL is in the outside. So it's his LCL that's injured. And he took a, there's a big bruise, like a ostrich egg bruise above his knee where he must've hit yeah. a rock. And, uh, he sent us a picture of his ankle and it's just black and blue uh, and green. And it's like, Oh dude. So we hadn't seen it till the, up to that point because he was, uh, it, it, the bruise hadn't developed. Plus, you know, he had shoes and stuff on. So it was, uh, yeah. So then from there, the next day we, uh, about nine o'clock, we thanked the outfitter and headed on our way. Right. But it shows you how fast. <clears throat> something can go south. Yes, it, it was very fast. It happened very rapidly. It was, uh, but it was, uh, everybody responded very well to the incident. Uh, so we, we pulled off, you know, we had throw bags ready. We, we, uh, got down to the end of, uh, the chute down to where we would throw ropes to people. Martin wasn't there, but so we rallied around. Like, honestly, like it was scary at first because when he didn't come up, it's like, what? WTF type thing, right? Yeah. There's the canoe. There's a canoe. Where is he? Right. But he had washed out earlier. So, and climbed ashore. So very, very lucky. Yeah. It was a very lucky situation that he, uh, it was unlucky that they, he went down through mountain chutes, but lucky that he survived it. Right. So it was, uh, it was a very sketchy incident, but it was nice to end the day in a warm house and hot shower, shower and food. And yeah. 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 Um, your Zaleo. So that, it paid for itself on that trip. So yes, 
there's a road access right by the pretty much the whole length of Noir. Right. So it's not like we would have to hike 80 kilometers to the forest or something like right that, right? So what came in handy is, uh, so I knew that the outfitter didn't have cell phone access in Waltham, Quebec. That's where they live. So I knew they didn't have cell phone access. So we end up having to contact uh, Mike's wife, Lori, and to get an email address. You can't, she's not going to, him and his ex-wife weren't going to get texts from us, right? Yeah. Or phone calls. So we emailed and she, she emailed back almost immediately. We didn't notice until we got down to the campsite at uh, Lillette, but he, uh, she had responded immediately saying, yes, uh, stay there at that campsite. We'll come get you. And then she emailed back again. Do you want a canoe and new paddles? And so I didn't respond to that. But uh, I did say that, no, we're leaving. And uh, so they they sent us out. So it was it was quick and easy communication back and forth. I don't know if Spot X can be linked to a smartphone, but Mike has such a problem messaging with the Spot X because he has to take a little stick and poke the little tiny oh, keys on the little yeah. tiny keyboard. And if you see his messages, it's like, it looks like he can't spell, but it's the damn little tiny keyboard, right? Yeah. But with mine, I just had my, I had my waterproof phone in a waterproof case and Zaleo itself is waterproof. So there was no concern there. Just hooks up and, and boom. Yeah. hooks up. And I'm just, I, it was, I basically writing a text, but it's going out to an email. Yeah. And, uh, so, and they responded almost immediately and you can see when it's sent, you can see when you receive a new message, it's very clear, very quick, easy, swift. It's uh, it's very simple. Hmm. If and I was, it's not one of the ones that you hear, but like it always seems to be the, the Garmin spot, spot. in reach or yeah. whatever. Right. So Martin said he's used in reach and it's very similar to the Zaleo for its use. Right. It has the weather app. It's got, uh, you know, what, so Zaleo was still very new. I bought it at the Toronto, uh, the Toronto outdoor uh, adventure show, outdoor adventure show yeah. last year. And so I'm only really getting used to it. I've been playing with it a lot, messaging a lot. So it's uh, it's a really good device. I really like it, but they don't have tracking yet. Yeah. So they so <laughs> they said that, but they're developing. They say every time I contact them, they say, yeah, that question is very common. We're working on this. We're working on that. But it was uh, what was good about it is that we were able to message the outfitter for pickup up the river. They knew where we were. They could come get us. We had instant communication back and forth so it was uh it was handy that way to really paid for itself because we were without that and the fact that we lost a canoe and paddles like what do you do like we had yeah we were thinking at the time we're talking about it's like if we were off in the middle of nowhere we have one canoe plus the packs so it would be like four people and a dog in the canoe and every time you hit a set of rapids cut your packs free, let them wash down the rapids and then collect them all up below the rapids, tie them up and tow them until you get to the next set of rapids, cut them free, let them go down the rapids. But then you have four people in one canoe. And a dog. And a dog. That's, that's complicated. So it's, um, it, it helped. So I think that's one of the deciding factors that Mike said he probably wouldn't take Willow again on a whitewater trip. But it's also a fact that we were like, we were thinking like we need two canoes for safety. Yeah. You can't send one canoe, two people down. It's, it's very risky. It's people have done it, but if you lose your canoe, you're in for a nice big hike. 
right? So in so I think I think the ideal number would be three canoes, six people, because then if you lose a canoe, you can disperse one person per the other per two each canoes canoe. and yeah. stuff like that, right? Because like we the Martin's canoe got washed down river, but I've heard stories of uh, well uh, the outfitter saying that just the week before. He uh, had a group go down in one of his rentals and they uh, wrapped the canoe around a rock. And Ooh. he said he's, he went out there a couple times trying to get the canoe off the rock and he had to abandon it. The water pressure was too high. With the water levels too high, he, he couldn't get the canoe off the rock. So it's it's still wrapped, but he said it's not recoverable anyways because it's, he just wanted to get it out of the river. But it's yeah. so badly bent around the rock that it's uh, it's it's scrap. When the water level goes down, he may have a Yeah, bit. exactly. Like next summer, you yeah. might be able to get it or the yeah, spring you, flood yeah, you will don't wash wanna, it out. You don't want to leave that. Yeah, it's you don't want to leave trash garbage. in the river, right? Yeah. So yeah, so it's, uh, it's there's a lot of lessons learned. And you know, like, what did I, what did I put here? So yeah, lessons learned. Uh, oh yeah, so this is one thing. Um, so with... Uh, with the, so the outfitter said it right at the first, he said, Hey, leave your keys here. You know, I've had people lose packs, lose the keys. And so both Martin and Scott put their keys in the guy's cabin or in his house. M- Mike didn't, Mike brought his keys with him. So if Scott lost a pack, so he lost his pack with all of his camping gear. Right. Plus his wallet and his cell phone. Ooh. But he didn't lose his keys because he left the keys at the outfitters. And you didn't know that. We didn't know that until after Mike, we were asking, oh crap, what are you going to do with your truck? And Scott goes, well, no, my keys are at the outfitters. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Because we, otherwise we're going to figure out how to hotwire a truck. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, so yeah, so that was, uh, it was like, oh yeah, you know what? Leave keys behind. Maybe leave your wallet behind. You don't need your wallet on the river. Mm-hmm. And so leave your keys and wallet. I would take the cell phone because I need it for communicating and taking pictures. Yep. Um, so one thing that we ran into is, uh, another thing lesson learned is, uh, we had a cell number, but that was useless because the outfitter doesn't have cell service at his, at his house. So we had to contact Mike's wife to get the outfitter's email address. And because we're contacting her, she's like, what's going on? Why do you need this? What's, what's happening? What's happening? So it caused unnecessary stress, right? So we contacted Lori and Lori contacted my wife and my wife messaged me, what's going on? It's like, oh no, Lori messaged yeah. Siobhan. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So it was, it's, it's unnecessary stress because it, since everything was okay, there was, it didn't need to stress them. So we were trying to, trying to keep them out of the loop until we were home and could talk to them about it type yeah. thing, right? And, uh, one of the big lessons, which I've already talked about is, uh, when you scout rapids, you should scout them for the conditions that you're going to be paddling them. So we had scouted the day prior. And so we had stale memory of the rapids, stale memory of, uh, water features that we have to watch for to know we have to get to river left and the weather conditions were different. So the, the previous day, the, it was like late in the day, but it was still sunny. So the shadows would be different from, so four in the afternoon compared to the next morning at, uh, 9am when we we're on the water. Plus there was a, uh, most of the fog had burned off or the mist, but there's still misty so that it was, uh, I, the water features look different because of the mist. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I didn't have a problem seeing the yellow portage sign, but the boys didn't see the portage sign until they paddled past it. And the portage is the last point of no return. Right. You can't paddle past that portage. And if you do. 
you're for a whole load of fun in it. Yeah. Yeah. So the water features were different because of the fog and the lack of sunlight. And, and plus it was 12 hours or so or more from the last time we saw the river. So the the memory is a bit stale. So what we should have done is had a fresh scouting of the river for per current conditions, right? At that morning. Yeah. Before you went So yeah, it would take an extra hour of our time, but in hindsight, it'd be worth it because we knew that this was a serious uh, set of rapids coming up that we had to avoid. Yeah. Right? We could do the class one technical, but we couldn't go past into the class two, three, four of the shoots, right? So it was, uh, and plus that time of year, none of the scouting reports from Hap's book or from the outfitters were accurate because we had uh, late spring high water levels, right? All that rain. So all the rain, it was, it's unusual in the fall to have that much rain. And so water levels were up, water was fast, water features were different. And there was, uh, it was changing, it was changing by the day, the water levels, because we had a lot of rain on the Sunday. So all that rain coming out of the, out of the hills would be constantly changing the water levels on the river, like from day to day. Right. So it's, uh, the water overnight would have, could have changed. I didn't notice if it changed, but it could have changed. So it's one of those things, right? So it's, those are some lessons learned as there's a lot of things to take away from this, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, luckily everybody is healthy and, and Martin Martin has been recuperating, but yeah, everything turned out well in the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? Like, that's the thing you think of is, oh, it always happens to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you've never had to worry about, oh yeah, if something happens, we're prepared. Yeah, we're blah, prepared. Blah, blah, we blah, have blah, the right blah. gear. We have the right equipment. But until you're in that situation. You have no idea. You you actually don't yeah. know what's yeah. going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And for you guys, luckily you were prepared enough that. Yeah. And I think and we things, all did very well for the, for the incident that was thrown at us. I think all of us did. Yeah. It did remarkably very well, keeping a level head, doing the right thing and so on, right? Yeah. So that that's uh, yeah really well that it ended that way. And you guys, you know, <laughs> you walk out of there with that experience, yeah. that confidence now saying, you know, if something like this happens. Yeah. So now least, there's, yeah. it's, it's a little bit more, I'll know better in the future how to... You're going to worry about the person before you worry about the canoe. Well, sort of it thing. depends if you're way out in the back country and if you have enough people, some people can rescue the person and the other yeah. person can jump in and, and if it's safe to do so. Go for the boat. Go grab that boat because you, you can't be down a boat. Yeah. Right. If you're, if you're say on the Nahani or something, it's like, oh, I guess there's three people per canoe now. Well, if you're going to be towing all your gear, they can just ride on all the gear. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> So in the end of the day, what all was lost and found? So, um, equipment lost. So that was, uh, Martin's canoe. Well, I say lost, but somebody's going to find it. Hopefully yeah, if return you're, it. If you're on the, uh, Noir if you're on the River, River. <laughs> and you find some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, so these, uh, these are the things that are lost and they're probably going to be found, but they're currently uh, state and condition unknown. Like for now, we don't know if uh, Martin's fix of the, uh, of the, uh, thigh straps in the bow are actually if his fix worked because we just don't know. But, uh, so Martin's canoe, it's a 17 foot green swift Des Moines. Uh, Martin had a Pelican case with, uh, about $3,000 worth of camera equipment in it. <sighs> yeah. Uh, so he's lost two whitewater paddles, a wooden one and a, and a Warner carbon Kevlar. 
uh, Scott lost everything, all of his, all of his normal camera gear. So he yeah. was packed. Everything of his stuff was packed in that pack, plus his wallet and his cell phone. And his dirty undies. Yes. <laughs> They're out there in the wild. Yeah. And plus two water bottles. And a couple. Yeah. yeah. The water bottles, the paddles. Yeah. Nice to get back. But yeah. But yeah, so, all your camping gear yeah. in a pack. Yeah. All your camera gear in your canoe. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. So the stuff that we did find on the river that we did recover was uh, Martin's uh, 75 liter Eureka pack, which had clothes in, and their tent in it. And uh, I don't know if it had, I think it had sleeping bags in it too. I'm not sure. But uh, then there was uh, Martin's portage barrel. So his food barrel. Mm-hmm. So we recovered that. That was against the log jam. And Scott's paddle was also there with the barrel against the log jam. So that that's what's lost and that's what's uh, recovered. Wow. Yeah, it was a... Uh, totally different trip than you, you were expecting. Yes, yes. Totally different. Mm-hmm. But that's... You're going to remember yeah. it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the things that we weren't expecting is the water level change, right? Yeah. We were prepared for a certain water level, but so much rain has come in the last few weeks that it's just changed everything, right? Well, the bright side, at least you didn't have to pick your way through a rock garden. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. <laughs> like on the, uh, yeah. Like on the Spanish river last year. Yeah. See, yeah. there you go. <laughs> wow. Well, hopefully, uh, yeah. Hopefully we hear from Martin this saying, yeah, the outfitter just called me and said they got all my gear. Yeah. Got my gear stuff. Be a nice, nice day trip. <clears throat> yeah. yeah nice drive up. It, yeah. yeah. Drive and up, so we were thinking and... at the time, it's like the, if the gear is going to be returned, I mean, chances are, you know, paddlers, the people who do these kind of things, they're, they're pretty honest people. Yeah. But the biggest thing I think would make somebody want to return it is because they want to go, I want to hear this story. What happened? <laughs> I have your camera case. I want to hear this story. Yeah. I have your canoe. I want to hear this story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. But otherwise I, I have, I have high confidence that, uh, it's a, it's an honest group of people that would, if you have built up the skills to do a whitewater river, then, you're usually, in my experience, that the outdoors community are all stand-up people, right? Yeah, yeah. So hopefully it all uh, comes it back. It all come back. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, quite the, not the story I was expecting to be telling when I no, returned from this trip. Not at all. We yeah. expect, uh, oh, you should have seen the fish we caught, the great weather. We had perfect water levels. Everything <laughs> was smooth as a baby's bottom. We asked the outfitter. We said, uh, so where's the good fishing at? He said, oh yeah, the upper end of the river, you're not going to catch any fish. There's nothing up there. But below mountain shoots, that's where you need to start fishing. <laughs> and you fished gear out and you fished Martin <laughs> out and you fished. So yeah, he was right. Yes. <laughs> that was foreshadowing. And it's funny because uh, Mike had sent a message saying that he was listening to last week's. Oh yes. Last week's or two weeks ago yeah. podcast on the way home. And we, and, and we were joking about going over the yeah, shoot. Yeah, going over a mountain shoot. <laughs> <laughs> no more joking. Note to self. No yeah. more joking about going over waterfalls. Exactly. Yeah, because, you know, yeah. things happen. <laughs> awesome. Well, glad you had a good trip, man. Yeah. It was It was, It was. was good. It was, uh, there were some ups and downs, but, you know, every trip is a good trip that, yeah. you, that you come back from, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's uh, somebody else, somebody put a, a status on Facebook saying everybody's, um, it was really rough at times, but 
we all got out alive. And I, I just put something along the lines of, yeah, in my experience, arriving home alive is usually a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, yeah. if you guys all got home alive, yeah. two thumbs up. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, anything else planned for this week coming up? Or uh, soon? Any other trips? Or are you just going to so, keep yeah. being a sprout farmer? Wait, well, there's uh, planning a trip for November. Mike's planning another trip. I'm going to go try to do that. You've yep. already turned him down. Yeah. Um, other than that, it's, uh, we, we, me and the family want to get out, uh, and, uh, just do another weekend of, make a long weekend of it camping and stuff. Right. Yeah. Because with, uh, we don't know what things are going to turn out towards the fall with, uh. Oh, there's, yeah. Everything's. Everything's going, up numbers are going back up yeah. again. So we want to get out before anything shuts down again and uh, try and get some more camping in and, and uh, yeah, just have some fun, get a couple more trips in. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else for this week? Nothing, I don't. Excellent. Well, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can listen, download, stream on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. If you go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com, you can download and stream uh, every, what, 241 episodes now. And uh, yeah, if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with uh, your family and friends. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.